this week's Into the Wilderness podcast. It's uh, a slightly different show, actually, uh, this week, and kind of unexpected because we didn't even tell anyone that we were going to be having uh, these guests on. No, because we didn't know at the time. And unexpected in another way because we didn't seek down these guests. In a way, they kind of sought us out. Uh, But it was a great pleasure, and I'm incredibly glad that they did. You're going to be hearing from Tyler and Brad from, or they are two of the people behind The Modern Huntsman. If you don't know what that is, what I would do right now while you're listening to this, because you're about to hear all about it, is go onto Instagram and type in Modern Huntsman. And if you don't have Instagram, get Instagram. I I don't know if they have a Facebook page, actually. No, I don't think they do. Modern Huntsman, or if you don't have Instagram, go and visit. uh, It's modernhuntsman.co. That's the website. .co? Uh, Yeah, .co. Okay. Because I've just been oh, okay. I've okay. just been putting it on the blog post now, yeah. uh, or just Google Modern Huntsman. Uh, first co. Comes okay, up. Co. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you'll be able to read what they're about. But importantly, if you're on Instagram, you'll be able to see the fantastic imagery that they've been sharing since they started that page. Uh, but it's much more than that, and uh, you're this is what you're about to hear. I was going to say there is a number of people that go, "Ah, oh, I'm not an Instagram person, or I'm not a Facebook person," because we know that a number of our listeners don't actually use social media of any form. I encourage you, if you don't want to do any of the social media, do Instagram. It's just pictures. That's all it is. You don't need to, you don't even need to put a profile up about yourself or anything. Uh, It's just pictures. It gives you a really great way to gather insights into different parts of the world, different aspects of the great outdoors. There's a lot of awesome content. It's not just that. There's loads of content on Instagram. Uh, The only reason I mentioned the great outdoors is that tends to be the kind of people listen to the podcast. um, A lot of people prefer it. We prefer it to Facebook and that because there's no nonsense. There's no feed just full of rubbish. Mm -hmm. It's what you know you follow the people and you kind of know what you're going to get with yeah. the people you follow and the modern huntsman and and ourselves i'm going to put ourselves in that um very good content on it yeah High uh, we, quality. We, we try and keep our picture content uh yeah. to a certain quality level and the modern huntsman they do that they raise the yeah. bar yeah. pretty high uh i'm not i'm not going to tell you any more about that other than they're going to talk about an, an ethos and a mindset and how they're wanting to shape and change the hunting narrative, which you hear us talk about all the time on this podcast. And the way that they're hoping to do that is with the launch of a new print publication out of the States. They're going to explain what it's about and how you can get involved. Yeah, we don't need to do it. We don't need to explain right now. So uh, that is what you're about to hear. It's a fantastic podcast. We've got a few news items for you, which we're going to get through before we get you into the show. Uh, The first one is something which we mentioned last time. Uh, but all of the details are out now, and that is our film festival, the DNA Film Festival, in yep. conjunction with the Northern Shooting Show. It is fully up and running. You can enter. It's on our website, thepacebrothers.com. If you go to the Films tab, you will see DNA Film Festival. You can read everything you want in there. There's a PDF which has all of the, the bump that you want for the press release uh, if you're somebody in the media. And if you want to actually submit a film, right at the bottom of the page is a massive submit button, and that takes you through to the shop. And there's uh, a couple of options there for amateur and professional, and that's how you submit. 
we will be giving away periodically um, codes to enter for free. So keep an ear out for that. Yep. Uh, it's super exciting. I can't wait to see the submissions. I know uh, or I've heard from a few people who are, are going to be submitting films. We want to encourage people, not just in the UK, but across Europe, to tell their story. It's all about storytelling and very, uh, very much related to the podcast that we're doing today. It's about shaping the hunting narrative and that's what this yep. podcast is about that is what our the dna film Festival so is no about. matter what part of the world you're from please enter and on top of that the more support we have we can maybe take the festival to london or something like that that's uh who knows we we don't know yeah the great hope is that this works so well that we, all we might, could do might a special screen showing yeah, yeah do a special sh- after after the northern shooting show so that is that um a film that we made uh, a while ago, and we have mentioned it on the podcast before, but it's been picked up by, I think, if not every single field sports countryside publication, almost all of them, and that is the film we did for the Angus and Grampy and Glen's Merlin group yep. on Tweed. Uh, yeah, that's basically what it was. It was about the importance of Tweed and how estates and shooting fit into that story. Uh, we both really enjoyed making it, putting it together. It was picked up by the BBC, and it was. If you pick up any publication uh, this month from uh, the Field Sports Magazine, Sporting Rifle, there's it's mentioned in all of yeah, those. Yeah, it is. Yeah, uh, which yeah, fantastic. It's really great that not only the mainstream picked it up, but also the the shooting communities picked it up as well. And to think the British Wool Marketing Board didn't want to do anything to do with the film. Yeah, I, I, I think we can, we can share that with, with oh, our we listeners. we can, because it's one it's of our great frustrations. Yeah. yeah, It's one of our great frustrations when we're doing projects is you've got to find support for it. Because if we can't find support for projects, they can't happen. We need to be able to keep moving forward. We need to be able to eat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so you've got to find support for projects. And when we were putting this together with the Merlin groups, we thought, brilliant, let's go to the British Wool Marketing Board. That's what their thing is, to encourage people to... Buy uh, British and buy, buy wool. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Embrace wool products. And they weren't interested. And we were barely asking for any money whatsoever. And they just were not interested at all. And, and now they've and put it, out a, a film today. I'm to not sure if it was wool. them that did it. It was uh, British Wool that put out a film today. Yeah. And it's it's nowhere near as good as well, us. Well, it's just, it doesn't yeah, work. It doesn't it's, work. It's, it's just, just a, a montage of, uh, of yeah. uh, video. A music video of yeah, music sheep. Video, yeah. <laughs> yeah, which and not even filmed that well, sheep. So... It's, it's yeah. It's, it's just sad. it's a frustrating thing where you put great opportunities on the table, but some uh, people and organisations don't have the foresight to support Back, something. Backwards thinking, I think. Mm. Uh, so yes, yeah, so that is the Tweed film, and that is our rant over. Yes, yeah, sorry. Uh, <laughs> we have some new T-shirt designs now. We've been talking about this for quite a while, but they're done. It's done and dusted, and I think may if not by the end of this week, start next week, we will have pre-orders up because all we have to do is basically stick the pictures on uh, on our shop. Oh, yeah, like we do with uh, all our stuff in the shop, we hold the stock, uh, so that makes uh, life a lot easier. It's not like you're buying through a website and blah blah blah. We know what we're getting, the product we're getting, and then we send it send it out directly. So when you do order. Please just be patient if it's a few days late because uh, sometimes uh, we are away and uh, we're trying to organize other people to send stuff for you, but 
you normally do get it on time. And we'll make sure the run up to Christmas, because last year was crazy. We were doing loads of orders every day. Uh, we made sure that they were all out in time. We'll have a cutoff date in December for the Christmas um, delivery. Yeah. The Christmas delivery as well, like we did uh, last year. But new T-shirts, four new T-shirt designs, completely different. I have different. to say. They're, they're, they're pretty pretty damn cool. Uh, we have uh, a new mug design, and request from our listeners was to make uh, mugs. Uh, Paul Wilkie was actually probably the first person to ask for this uh, one that was more camping friendly. So like made yeah, it's like metal. an enamel tin mug. Yeah, tin mug done. Yeah, it's he done. was actually he popped over to come and pick up a t-shirt. Actually, one of the old design t-shirts the other day because he doesn't live very far from us, and he saw one of the prototypes sitting on my desk, and he said, "Have you got them in?" I said, no, 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 this is, but this is what it's going to look like, Paul. He said, okay, when they come in, I want the first one. <laughs> so no one else can have the first one. Yeah. The first one's going to Paul. But you'll see those on the We're shop We're ordering well. more than one. <laughs> yeah. um, so that, and I think there's going to be two other mug designs. There's yeah, the, we haven't quite got that far There's going to be a yet. podcast mug. Uh, so for the, specific for the podcast listeners. And on top of that, we are bringing out car stickers uh, which means that we'll be running like competitions for the podcast. If you if you put the car sticker on, we see you out and about around the country mm. when we're at game fairs and stuff. Then you will we'll cost you and give you something. Then we'll give you a prize. Yeah, which I think that'll be quite fun actually. It will be, and it means that you'll recognise other listeners of the show as well. You listen to that cool show. <laughs> now we have a massive, massive, massive apology, and that is that two weeks ago we told you, hey, we got another competition as we do yeah. every two weeks. Uh, and then we never put up the social media post for you to actually enter to win the Smith Optics ballistic shooting yeah. glasses. Partly both our faults, mainly Barnes, because I was away for a week of the two weeks. Yes, uh, I was. I was just consumed. Yeah. In I was editing. in Norway, then I was in Harris, and there was uh, the internet's not great in Harris. Norway, yeah. there is good internet. But anyway, we're going to make up for it because uh, on this show we're going to give away that plus the stuff that we were going to so give away on the show. Anyway, so yeah. As Daryl said before we started recording, it's like a lotto rollover. Yeah. So, as of two weeks ago, there is a set of uh, Smith Optics interchangeable lens uh, ballistic shooting glasses. You will see them in the social media post for the competition. Uh, I also have a Hornady vintage tin reloading sign and a, a set of Surefire ear defenders. Three items. It's it's a big one. Yeah, it is. Uh, we're going to make it exactly the same as it was last time, and that is simply um, find the post on Instagram or Facebook and tag tag someone below. below, and then you can win those things. Simple. Uh, you have another competition announcement to make, and this is going to be going over a few shows. Yeah. So this is very cool, by the way. We got contacted um, quite a while ago. We were, again, from being away, we were a bit slow in sending out the stuff for them, but we were contacted by J Bolt Designs. Uh, I'm going to tell you about them now, but if you want to check them out, you'll search them on Facebook and Instagram or visit their website, which is www.jbolt, as in B-O-U-L-T, designs.com. Uh, and they make bespoke um, leather items that incorporate cartridges and other sort of shooting paraphernalia so what we did was i've got loads and loads and loads of hornady brass um sitting in cardboard boxes actually under my bed uh is i sent them a whole bunch of cases and they made some really cool items for our listeners uh to win so the first thing which we're going to give away which is just too cool is a set of cufflinks 
with Hornady 375 Holland and Holland uh, cases. So F- it's Fired by us. Y- yes, fired by <laughs> us. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so it, it's basically the head of, of the case, which is cut off and then finished and made into a cufflink. Uh, we'll put a picture of them up as well. Um, in terms of how to enter that, it'll be a social media sort of sharing, liking thing. So uh, keep we, an we, eye we out won't for exclude, that. Uh, for this one, we won't exclude people that don't have social media. We'll we'll have uh, some email entries as well. So yeah, we'll, we'll stick the email address for those people yeah. who can't remember in the post. But it'll be a completely separate post to the the podcast competition for this week because as Daryl said it's going to run over a good few weeks it's too good a prize uh, to just some, and it's not like we have stuff like this to give away all the time no. this is kind of a one-off so Jbolt Designs thank you very much for sending that you're going to be hearing us mention that in the next few podcasts as well and I think that's it okay that's fine we are done don't forget that this podcast is supported and brought to you by the Scottish Association for Country Sports. Uh, if you are not a member of a shooting organisation, a countryside organisation, you should be. Because remember, it is those organisations that help protect the way of life that we all enjoy, uh, enjoy and do the, the good fight, often behind the scenes. The stuff that we don't know that goes on. In government, all of, there's a lot of meetings that go on that we just have no idea are even happening. Uh, but we need people who are there supporting and fighting our corner. So go and check them out. Uh, give it a Google and the website will pop up for you. Enjoy the show. Guys, welcome to the Into the Wilderness podcast. Thanks very much for joining us today. This is a, a, a Thank bit you of a... Thank for having us. Uh, an absolute pleasure. It, a bit of a strange one. We know you through instagram and you reached out to us last week i guess although we've been aware maybe not directly of uh you brad and tyler but what you're doing through your instagram account so before we get to that and tell our listeners what you're up to uh, which is very exciting by the way uh and i i should actually before we get into this commend you on your fantastic photos on your instagram account they are i I, I bet you most people that listen and follow us on Instagram probably have seen your guys' account as well, Modern Huntsman. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we get into that, why don't you just give us a little intro into each of you? So, uh, Tyler, if you want to kick off, just give us sort of a, a potted history of how you've got to where you are today, and then, uh, Brad, you can pick up from there. Sure. So I've gotten really good at, at condensing this into the two-minute version of the last 10 years of my life. Um, I, uh, I, I went to film school at USC in Los Angeles, um, studied photography and film, graduated, and my first job was in Tanzania, Africa. So I moved to Tanzania, lived in the bush, and filmed hunting safaris over there for several years um, and just became incredibly embedded in the, you know, the issues over there and the conservation and the anti-poaching. And I became friends with a lot of the outfitters and guys that, you know, ran these companies. Um, and that led me to Dell Safari Club, which is an organization of outdoorsmen and conservationists here in texas and that led to filming with a couple of tv shows and uh, on the outdoor channel and went to probably over 30 countries in a couple of years filming in russia and pakistan and all over africa uh, mostly hunts and so i got a a pretty uh, diverse education in hunting traditions all over the world um and just became really passionate about it um and uh but the the ceiling for a cameraman in the hunting industry is pretty low. So I decided I kind of got burned out and moved more into um, freelance work. I do directing and photography and writing 
started working more with brands and publications. Um, and so, you know, companies like Filson and Cabela's and um, Garden and Gun and Covey Rise and stuff like that. And so just started to work a little more freelance in that sense. Um, and through this sort of niche that I carved out, um, you know, Brad and I uh, kind of crossed paths about a year and a half ago. And so that sort of led to uh, our involvement now with Modern Huntsman. And, um, you know, I sort of came on board with Brad and Elliot to kind of help steer the the ship in terms of uh, creative direction, just because I've had so much experience with navigating the very, uh, you know, sometimes uh, troubled political waters of the of the uh, hunting industry. Mm -hmm. So there's there's plenty of troubled polit <laughs> yeah. uh, political waters. Yeah, when it yeah. Comes to this this part, of the, this part of our lifestyle choices, I suppose you could call them that. Absolutely. I mean, I'm intrigued just to dig in a, a little bit more into the, the your filming background before we get to you, Brad. Is that something you had always uh, sought to pursue, sort of leaving high school? Yeah. Uh, yes and no. Um, I mean, I knew that I, I, I had got, I do a lot of writing, so I, I had always done sort of calligraphy and, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Peter Beard, but he was an American artist who lived in East Africa and, and did these big collages with photos and writing. And, um, so I was always really into that. And, uh, and then well, kind of by default, when I went to college, there was only so many classes you could take in still photography. So I started to be like, all right, well, maybe I'll start doing some motion as well. And it just kind of naturally progressed. Um, and then also in, you know, in terms of, uh, a, a medium of communication, you know, using uh, motion is often a lot more effective in communicating message. And so I just saw pretty early on that it made sense to know how to do more than one thing. And, uh, it just happened that the first job I got was actually a motion job. So, you know, I, I was actually filming the hunts um it was kind of like all right well i guess i'll figure out how to produce these shows by myself in a tent in tanzania um so it was kind of a crash course but uh but one i'm, I'm definitely glad i took it's funny because I, I can I, I can see quite a lot of parallels yeah. between your your uh, life yeah. trajectory and, yeah, and, nice. uh, and our our own. Uh, I mean, amongst other jobs, I was filming for, sort of in the hunting industry in the UK for a little bit. And bear in mind, it is way smaller, and there's like no money in it compared to America. Uh, and then I left it alone for a while because, just like you said, it kind of got to a ceiling. Like, where do where do you take it? Although your right. ceiling in the state in the states would be a lot higher than ours uh and then eventually we started our own company our own production company for that very reason we wanted to be able to tell stories and the only way that we could really do it was uh to do it off our own back yeah. and sort of create the our own interest so that's, that's, that's an amazing parallel that you've got running there yeah absolutely uh and brad why don't you do the the same sort of uh version that we just heard from from tyler of your life story you got it. Um, so, so this is Brad Nethery. Uh, I founded Modern Huntsman about two years ago, and my story is much different from Tyler's. Um, I actually came into this really by chance. I, I didn't grow up hunting. I don't have the story that a lot of a lot of folks have, where you know their their traditions of their father and grandfather or mother were passed down to them. Um, my background looks a lot more like. A couple of times a year, dad and I would go out to dove hunt and um, really more than anything, we were just celebrating being together um, and had no real intent behind it. Um, 
I had developed a passion for um, this this hunting crowd, this hunting community, about two and a half, three years ago. Um, I own a creative agency in Dallas, Texas, and um, one of my clients at the time, um, who is now um, a great friend and partner in this business, has um, has a retail store that that um, focuses exclusively on on hunting gear and. Um, at the time when he called me and told me what he was up to, um, I had no real opinion towards for or against hunting, um, or conservation or, uh, public land management. Um, but uh, it sounded like a, a neat project to take on. And, um, so once I started to learn about the people and, and the lifestyle and really kind of the philosophy behind this, um, this approach to, to hunting and conservation, my heart started to shift. And so really modern Huntsman was built and birthed out of, um, this idea that, that hunting in its, in its form today and how the perception, uh, that is displayed to the public today is so far off from what it actually is. Um, and so modern Huntsman was created as a way to start to piece together that people like me three years ago, and also people who are have spent their life learning and and, and um, communicating conservation and these topics that really need to be addressed. That both of those audiences get inspired by by the movement that's being made here and and by the message that we're creating. Hmm. It's again, it's uh, in in a very different way. It's like hearing an echo of a lot of the conversations that we that we have on this show. And in fact, the reason that we started this podcast, as our listeners will have heard many times, was for that very reason. It was to try and break down that perception of, of what it means. I mean, it's not just hunting. We talk about fishing uh, and conservation all kind of in, in, the, in the same melting pot, if you like. But, but, but in the UK, no one else had done it. So when we first did this podcast, there was no one else in the UK doing these messages Mm -hmm. Um, that's awesome right but portray trying to portray that story the hunting story and what it is in the modern world and how it's relevant in the modern world is i absolutely agree so so important and there hasn't been uh, enough time and effort spent doing that in the last I don't know if, well, what it should have been for the last twenty years, and we've seen a little bit of. I've seen a little bit of movement now, maybe in the last two years, in the way that people are sort of constructing their language when they talk about hunting. But it, it needs uh, that kind of vision, like what what you guys are doing. In even if you break it down in the simplest terms, and the, the stories that you tell through the pictures that you take and share, on the very sort of basic level, um, that is a quite a large shift to how things were only a few years back. Just tell us a little bit more about uh, the modern huntsman and what kind of format that takes place in. We obviously know it, or Daryl and I know it through Instagram, and it's a, it's, a, it's, an, it's a good starting point for anybody listening to this podcast to go and check out the kind of ethos that you guys stand for. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, I'll start. This is Brad, and then I'll let Tyler uh, carry it through. Um so, so modern husband really began just how you see it um, today in its, in its most common form, which is on Instagram. Um, the inspiration behind it was I had seen so many content creators, just independent freelancers and photographers and filmmakers um, who were 
creating this this ethos of of a lifestyle that nobody else was communicating on the media level. And then also brands like some of that Tyler just just listed off like Filson and um, and so many others that have that have built this this ideology of what we stand for. But from the media perspective, it was so hard to find relevant media channels in the U.S. that were really communicating the uh, collective of what all of these guys were talking about. So we started simply as a curation channel where we would curate content from creators and from brands to essentially have coexist on a single platform. Um, and in our first three months, it was kind of crazy. Um, the thing just took off out of nowhere, just organic growth started happening. And, uh, and we realized that this, this needed to, um, kind of compound and, and exist somewhere else. So about two years ago, we started having the conversation, well, where does this go? Uh, and we had a lot of back and forth dialogue, but essentially it came to, um, this, this catalyst of meeting Tyler and going, um, as a f- fellow creative who has spent his life, um, in the, in the outdoor space and, in really understanding what it means to be a hunter in the relationship of conservation, um, what it means to, uh, fight for these things, but to, to also tell stories in the most beautiful way possible. Where do we take this thing? Um, and I think we just kind of collectively went to magazine. So over the past year, um, we have been building this, this concept of this, this magazine, which is now, uh, live on Kickstarter that we're, um, pushing to get funded so that we can launch in early 2018. And, um, and when we came up with the concept, our, our whole mission was we never want the product or the brand of modern huntsman to exclusively be, be magazine, but we do believe that it's the most, um, important space for us to start in, to be able to change the conversation so that we can get this message out to the masses in the purest form possible and then expand our reach from there. Uh, did I miss anything, Tyler? Um, I think, and this is Tyler again, I think, uh, you know, I'll go a little bit into, you know, what, what my personal mission was before I met Brad, but beyond the publication, um, you know, I want this to, it's sort of born out of the frustration one for me as a content creator that not only is the ceiling low, uh, you know, for, you know, freelance filmmaker and photographer in the outdoor world, but the publications, that exist out there are incredibly old fashioned and very stuffy. And so I had a lot of frustration with some of these larger, uh, loftier philosophical ideas of, okay, well, what you guys always say the word conservation, but when do you actually do that? Right. When, when do we actually go out and do these things? Or when do we go on the anti-poaching patrols and all that? And these were the things I became interested in and no one else really seemed as interested in them. So I was always looking for a way to gather the friends and colleagues I have who are passionate about this and be able to do something. And I'm sure that y'all have the same experience with feeling like it's hard to get a foothold and get funding or a budget to do that from these existing companies because it's just not there. And they they throw that word around, but but they throw that word around as a means of PR and not necessarily as a foundational philosophy. And so that's kind of where we're coming from with this. Um, that in addition to the fact that, you know, we just put, we just posted on our Instagram the other day that the U S fish and wildlife did a survey 
And 62% of the people that took the survey said that they uh, had negative views of hunters. And so there's definitely a major um, disconnect and misrepresentation of what hunting actually is in modern society. So yes, this is for hunters, but it's also targeted towards the large group of the population, not just in the U.S., but in the U.K. or in Australia or wherever or anywhere else that doesn't have to rely on subsistence hunting for, for living like Africa. And show them that a lot of what you see with these big brands and the bucks and trucks and the, you know, camouf pink camouflage, you know, push-up tops that these girls wear, it's ridiculous. And, and so, you know, going back to the roots of, of hunting as a, tr a tradition that humans have practiced for thousands and thousands of years, in addition to uh, the amount of respect and hard work that goes into doing a lot of these things and where those dollars go and how they function to actually conserve land and wildlife. And so the magazine is our first step. Um, we have an incredible team of contributors, some of, in my opinion, some of the best out there right now, at least, at least in the U.S. You know, we want to expand this, but right now, while we're a startup and having to coordinate things without a budget yet, uh, we're trying to keep it uh, within our friends of, of uh, you know, circle of friends and, and colleagues. But beyond just the magazine, we want the website to be a resource for facts and data, right? And, and a place where someone can go to educate themselves and arm themselves with information if they want to get in some sort of debate or conversation. Um, and on top of that, um, you know, we will be featuring stories and, you know, podcasts and all kinds of stuff, but we want to have this be a film forum. So right now, you know, you know, guys like Ben Masters with, with his wild film tour, and then, you know, Yeti's putting out these amazing conservation films, but to watch them, you have to go to independent YouTube channels. And so we want to try to position ourselves to be a forum where you can go to watch these types of films and, and see the important work that's being done, um, not just from an educational standpoint, but from an artistic standpoint, you know, just the, the type of work that's being produced that's hard to find unless you're, you know, going down an Instagram, you know, rabbit hole, sometimes you don't see this stuff. And, and we, as much as we'd all love to go to film festivals, you can't, I can't really go to that many of them. And so, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of bigger picture with this. Um, and Brad and I both, um, have just really, really seen what we feel like is a dire need for this sort of thing. But apart from that, it offers an incredible opportunity for guys like, for guys like you, and 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 any of us who didn't have this forum before well we were, i was like well let's just create our own damn outlet you know let's make our own magazine and our own why do we need the outdoor channel let's get enough of a following where we can start producing our own online content and we can go over and hang out with the pace brothers and shoot stuff overseas <laughs> and do episodic web content and sell it to netflix yeah, you know or not? whatever so i mean it's about being creating stuff that can be relevant in the mainstream as well. And going back to what you were saying about conservation, I, I couldn't emphasize what you were saying more strongly. And I'm pretty sure we, if I didn't have a discussion on the podcast recently, it's a discussion I've had quite a lot recently, which is that it is very, it has become almost frustratingly trendy to say, I'm a hunter, I'm a conservationist. No, I 100% yeah. believe in that. But I think there are an increasingly number, uh, an increasing number of people who think, who, who realize that we need to pitch ourselves differently in the in the world to be relevant today, and so they say it, 
but do nothing at all to mm -hmm. actually reinforce what does that truly mean does it yeah. and it doesn't mean even i don't think that you necessarily have to physically do something that is conservation based but you have to educate yourself so that you understand what is happening in the world even a small thing which is very relevant uh, here in the uk right now the woodcock season is open now we have migratory woodcock and we have resident woodcock now somebody who uh claims that title i'm a hunter I, i'm a conservationist should really before they're shooting any woodcock in the year in the year know what their resident population is roughly speaking and then have an idea when the migratory birds are arriving so that they can understand whether they should be able to shoot them early in the season before the migratory birds arrive or after it's a very small thing but yeah it's it is about more than just walking around with a gun yeah uh, and that is what we're we really try and get across to people is that you need to be involved you need to be immersed in it you need to in exactly what you've just said you need to e educate yourself but the flip side of that is and it's exactly what you're doing is creating a forum and a place the same as we created this podcast where people can dip into it and actually find the information to educate themselves because that information hasn't necessarily always been easily accessible mm-hmm yeah, and I don't know if if, if y'all are familiar with Charles Post, I'm but not, no. he's yeah, you should look him up. Uh, his Instagram is Charles underscore Post P O S T. He's our guest editor for the upcoming issue, and he is comes from a PhD at ecology background, so he is the smartest, dorkiest wildlife guy you've ever met. But he's a hunter and he's a conservationist so he approaches it from an in incredibly scholastic angle and he talks about why this you know how the predators you know influence the algae on the pond from the beginning to the end i mean it's really really fascinating and it simultaneously makes you feel smarter for knowing <laughs> for learning but then it also makes you feel really stupid you're like wow i should be reading more books and he was um, he was formerly vegan, was he not? Yeah, yeah. So he he was he went to UC Berkeley up in Northern California and was uh, I don't know if it was vegan, but he was definitely vegetarian. And through ecology, through learning about the predator and prey relationships and the importance of harvesting and, and land management and wildlife, sort of came back to hunting, which was really interesting. And so now he lives out in Bozeman, Montana. And he actually just successfully bow hunted his first wild uh, free range elk in Montana, which is incredible. Oh, tremendous. Um, and he, he documented the whole process from an ecology standpoint. And it's just, yeah, it's an amazing story. And that's the story, right? I mean, at the end of the day, there's been misinformation and misrepresentation, um, you know, dating back to when we really introduced factory farming. Um, and, uh, when, where people, where people have this kind of concept of, well, I could either go to the field and hunt or I could go to the grocery store and buy my meat where we want to change the conversation is understanding where does that meat come from that you're buying, um, from, from the store, you know, to not just assume that all playing fields are equal. Um, so guys like Charles Post who come from clearly an, an educated, um, formally educated uh, vegetarian lifestyle background and now an educated hunting uh, passion and philosophy or guys like me who three years ago really didn't have an opinion one way or the other. It just it was more of a convenience thing than anything else. It was a lack of not information, uh, but of inspiration and a lack of somebody who 
wasn't just talking to the hunting industry where the voice was not carrying out to the public, but where the voice that we are we are intending to create is something that somebody that who is a a non-hunter uh, by convenience or a a conservationist who has dedicated their life to um, preserving wildlife, ha- they both can hear this on the same on the same outlet in the same forum and feel the exact same emotions that we intend to carry out. It's a, it's about making making our our conversations and output relevant to more than just the hunting community and i think that is something the hunting community has been very guilty of since forever which is only (laughs) creating content which you know some of it i don't even find particularly palatable to watch or read now uh but actually making that shift which clearly is this very conversation that we're having and the and the direction well where you started and the direction you're very much moving is that that shift where anybody could watch it read it look at it and take something from it i mean we made uh my brother and i uh made a film which hasn't been released yet it's actually currently touring the um hunting film tour in the states and canada which was exactly that it was a a a film designed for film festivals that could be watched by anybody hunters would enjoy it but if you were a non-hunter you could take something from it and it actually just i can't remember the name of the film festival it made a canadian one which wasn't a hunting film festival recently like a mainstream one um, yeah, but more of that kind of thing where you're sort of reaching out and engaging people outside our very small inner circle of hunters is, well, I think it's the only way that we're going to be able to survive into the future, is to kind of open the door and and let people in and explain what we're doing, but do it. I think it has to be in a very honest way as well. We can't hide anything. There's been a lot of, I don't know whether it's been deliberate hiding, but certainly not being as transparent necessarily in the hunting world globally as as we could have been yeah and that's a hundred percent one of my aims from the very beginning is um you know you know brad and i coming from different backgrounds and and he's got a very um you know innovative entrepreneurial business mind and trying to apply what he knows to the industry that i know so well and um, you know, that's one of the things I always complained about with some of these guys that I worked with is they're always preaching to the choir. They're, they're having the same conversations and they're getting frustrated and they're saying anti this and, anti, you know, anti hunters that I'm like, well, have you ever considered the fact that maybe the tone that you have is in, incredibly confrontational and is not very conducive to educating or converting someone to the cause? And so that's a big part of what we're aiming to do. So, yeah, this is for hunters, but it's it's not really. It's for the the, the people at large, the 80 percent of the population that's in between hunters and anti hunters who eat meat, but mm, they're not necessarily on board or not, maybe just because they don't know. But on top of that, it's usually been such a, a, a male dominated industry we're making a point to to represent a lot of the female perspectives in this world. And so we've got four female contributors for the first issue, um, Cameron Dangle, Nicole Belke, um, uh, uh, Lorcas Matana, who's a writer in Montana, and then Jillian Lewiski, who her Instagram is the noisy plume. And she is an incredibly talented woman. She's, uh, you know, lives out there in Idaho with her husband, and they train their own German short hair pointers and, and she goes out and hunts birds and, and you know, that they, they then prepare at home. She uses the feathers and, and antlers to make jewelry um, and is just an incredibly talented person. And so 
you know, we really think that um, in terms of softening, uh, not softening the blow, but, um, you know, sort of creating a little more sensitivity and diplomacy uh, in, in terms of entering the conversation with non-hunters, that we're really hoping that Jillian and Nicole and, um, and, and Cameron and Lorca are going to be able to help us do that because they're bringing a perspective that isn't traditionally heard right? Because um, not a lot of women get, get page space in a lot of these other magazines. And this is going to be, if not half, uh, a good percentage of what we're doing. Hmm. Uh, it sounds great. I, I can see that if we were sat having a beer around a campfire, we would get along <laughs> very well. <laughs> we'd, probably, we'd probably stay up way later than yeah. we should. Yeah, I agree. Uh, making those conversations kind of less aggressive, as you were saying, is, is totally key to us being able to succeed in telling the right message. We just, in fact, the, the podcast that uh, went out just before this one that we're recording with you guys now, we did with two organizations in the UK, which um, would have been seen very much as a sort of head-to-head. -head. One, one is called the GWCT. They're very much a game and wildlife conservation that support a lot of hunting, uh, or, well, hunting practices and management through science. And the other is the RSPB, which is really a, a bird conservation society that generally speaking has a, a lot of uh, a lot of, in terms of their stance and the papers and stuff they put out is very negative towards shooting and when i sat down in a room with them and we had a conversation for an hour and a half and i could have gone i i did this i said this in the intro to the podcast two weeks ago I could have gone into that room with a very long list of all the things that you see people in the shooting community ranting about what the RSPB do have done, what they've said um, the shooting community does, and I could have picked through all of it and, and tried to pick holes in their organization at things they've done historically and why they're a bad bunch of people. But it, it wouldn't have actually achieved anything. And I know that I'm still waiting to see it. I'm sure that I'm going to come under a bit of criticism for not being harder on them. But the point behind that conversation was to actually start with a level playing field and have two guys, really very smart uh, people at the top of their game in their respective organizations sitting on different sides of the fence and just have an open, honest discussion as best as possible as to where is the common ground. Yes, there's going to be differences. Yeah. Let's identify those. But there is a huge amount of common ground. And the same can be said uh, across most walks of life, but across a lot of aspects within the shooting community. And it sounds to me like that is very much what you're doing as well, trying to find where those paths cross between those people who don't like what we do as hunters and obviously the, the hunting community. Because it's mm -hmm. only, and we say this all the time, it's only by finding that common ground and then working your way around the issues will we still be hunting in two generations time yeah and and something i'm also trying to uh really di distinguish between is the term hunter right that's a pretty general term and this isn't just about anti-hunters this is also about people within the hunting community who do disservice to what guys like us are trying to do that there's people who cloak themselves in the word conservation, but who are not ethical hunters and who do not adhere to the practices that we're talking about. And so while we're not trying to necessarily confront and call people out by name or slap people on the wrist, we're trying to, uh, you know, further illustrate that that's not necessarily considered hunting. That's 
that's calling or that's killing or that's just that's redneck stuff right <laughs> versus what we're talking about which is a, a completely different thing and so i think what you're saying having that previous conversation with with the gentleman on your podcast that's a fantastic place to have that conversation because you're saying hey look may, maybe we come up with a new term for ourselves where it's it's a specific type of hunter we're we're modern hunters. Maybe maybe that term becomes we're all modern huntsmen, and they by default, by definition, and you know, associating yourself with some of these virtues, someone can know that you're not part of the bad crowd that's been shown on media and the bloody grip and grins and all that. That you're this educated, respectful, and open-minded person that that can have an open conversation like that. It's. It I'm going to put something to you because I can see that we we share a lot of the sort of trains of thought. We recently put up a post um, maybe five days ago. And I, I think you do much less of it in the States than we do here. But driven shooting for pheasants mm -hmm. and partridge and grouse is, is very big in the UK. Um, grouse being a wild bird, pheasants and partridges with the exception of grey partridges, but very few people actually but you're, shoot But you're them. talking in your thousands here. Yeah. Um, yeah. They are reared, reared and put down, and that's absolutely fine. And then shot, driven. I have taken recent exception, having thought and sort of processed the driven shooting. I don't do. I, I, we do the odd driven shoot every year, but most of the stuff is sort of rough walked up. And I got no issue with driven shooting before. Uh, I can just see the emails coming in now. The issue that I have, <laughs> and the post that we put up was the idea of individual personal ethics and taking responsibility for what you do as a as a hunter as, as somebody who's shooting and, and taking life so if i just paint a, a picture for you and then i'm going to just ask you for your opinion on it if you wouldn't mind you might have eight ten guns there uh, they're doing a mixed pheasant partridge day at the end of the day they've shot say 150 birds mixed roughly and evenly spread amongst all the guns everyone's of, of sort of similar shooting ability how would you approach the end of the day so what normally would ha happen here is the end of the day comes and the gamekeepers will um, brace up normally cock and hen uh, the the pheasants brace up the partridges and the shooters there will take away a brace they might ask for another brace so some people won't take away a, a brace at all and my thinking on it now is that we should, if we are partaking in something like that, if you're partaking in a driven day, you should be prepared to take away every single bird that you personally killed. Otherwise, you have to ask yourself the question, why were you doing it in the first place? Now, there is a, a market for it. They, I mean, it's not like, um, generally speaking, these birds are wasted because it's been going on for many, many years. They get shot, they go to a game dealer, they get processed, a lot of them end up in Europe. Although this year, as with the end of uh, the seasons in the past couple of years, the birds don't have a huge amount of value because it's it's a fairly short season. You're talking like twenty pence a bird, which is yeah, like or sometimes uh, nothing. You know, like, uh, you know, it's like twenty cents a bird or nothing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they don't have much value because there's lots of birds in the system. Just straightforward economics. If you are ending a shoot like that. And you don't go up to the gamekeeper and say, look, I shot 30 birds today. Can I please take away 30 birds? I believe it is your responsibility to have the conversation to say, thank you very much for my brace. How is the market this year for all these birds that have been shot? You know, are you getting reasonable money for it? Do you know where they're going? Have you, you know, has there been any issues in the supply chain so that you know 
that the birds that you've shot are going somewhere and they have they have a, a correct flow of output to be utilized the vast majority of people not only never have that conversation on a, i'm talking about dri on driven days they never have that conversation hey guys how how is the the market this year do you know who's um that all these birds are going to be uh, processed and go through the system or can i please have every bird that i shot so I don't know. It may be a slightly, it's a slightly different picture about what we do here than the way a lot of um, sort of the shooting over in the states goes. But what do you think of that? That's my current thought of it, and a lot of people seem to support it, although some people disagreed with me because it's not what goes on currently here. This is Brad. Um, I'll, I'll answer that in kind of a roundabout way um, because I haven't set just formed a deep opinion uh, yet on the actual topic of it, but. I want to try to kind of flip it on its head. And um, one of the big questions is supply. Um, and another big question is intent. Um, for some reason in the angling and fishing community, we don't have these conversations. Uh, you have, you know, anglers or, or, or I would say, you know, fishermen who go out and uh, cast a net, catching hundreds of fish, pulling them in. And nobody has any problem with that because there's a necessity for for hundreds thousands of fish every day to be caught so that people can survive we all understand and interpret that there is a dominion over over man over animal now is there a dominion of animal over other animal and for some reason we've kind of put this perception that that uh wild game meat and and uh and f the, the fish kind of have this this superior there's a hierarchy over wild game meat over their uh, the life of, of fish, um, they're all the same and they all provide sustainability for life. Um, they all, uh, have the capability to continue on for, for generations. Uh, as long as the supply, uh, is, is high and we have a recognition of understanding, you know, where, uh, the meat is going, um, of, are there enough of this uh, this type of creature that to continue the process? Um, but I would I would challenge the objective of the hunt um, and the intent more than I would the actual hunt itself. Mm -hmm. um, and to understand, you know, as a hunter, where did you begin in the first place? You know, was your intent just to go out and fire at a living thing? Um, or do you have a plan for that thing? Is that going to go into your freezer or into the freezer of somebody else? Or was it just to take out um, some sort of a testosterone high that you had to get out of your system? Yeah, and I and this is Tyler. I'm going to jump in too. And, and I, I agree with what you guys are saying. I, I think that what this all comes down to for the most part is, is personal responsibility yeah. is ethics and, 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 and virtue. But I also think it's, it's partial responsibility because we, we can't expect for everyone to be, you know, what we hope them to be. <laughs> I think, I think we've all been let down in life in all areas of life by someone at some point or another. So I think that in a situation like this and in a situation like in Africa, where are there these, unfavorable characters with ill-formed intentions who come over there 
and it's a it's a masculinity you know prove you know proving ground for them yes those people go over there and they don't have ethical minds and they don't care about conservation however the fact that there are systems in place to make sure that those funds and that meat go to the right place is also important so i guess my answer to the question would be ideally someone takes responsibility for the lives they take and if they don't feel like they need that meat then they make sure they know a family or someone who would appreciate or use that meat and if that if there's fall off if there's gap between the number of conservation minded you know responsible hunters and the rest of the shooting group then we make sure that there's something in place that's going to make sure that goes to the, the right place even if it's not sold then it's given away but given away to someone who needs it a, a homeless shelter or you know a, an orphanage or something like that where it will be used yeah no i think you've broken that down incredibly well and in terms of the the system here i, I don't think i articulated myself particularly well but yeah there is that system in place if you like because it goes to a game dealer and, and it gets to, to distributed or sold that way and processed as and the the first part of that is probably what we're all trying to get to which is a deeper sense of personal ethical responsibility and what it means to be a hunter in the modern world. And I think a lot of the issues, you would never be having the discussion over the number of birds shot if each individual person had a sort of a true understanding of what that means. Because why on earth would you go and shoot a hundred birds to yourself unless you were doing it to, to process it for something that you understood exactly what that output was or you were actually filling your freezer and i just think that we've come so far along the road now especially with regard to this particular aspect of the industry in in our country here in the uk that a lot of the people who partake in it they're not don't get me wrong they're not bad people i am not suggesting that for one second it's just that i right. don't think i don't think people uh, really stop, pause for a second, and just really think about, okay, I'm here, what am I doing? I've just killed all these birds. Why have I done it? And where is it going? Uh, yeah. And, and but and highlighting it, just as we're doing here, and I know that some of the stuff I've said here is, is going to uh, court some negative responses, but, but, but you, it needs a discussion <laughs> that needs to be had. But I you think. are right. We're talking about homeless. There is uh, more and more in this country happening with the, the homeless shelters and uh, packs being made up for extra meat. We had a hunt last year where all the venison went to a uh, homeless shelter in one of the cities near us because a lot of the people we were with, with um, were foreign, couldn't take the meat home. So uh, that was all donated. And uh, Christmas time last year, one of this, the states uh, near us, they uh, sorted out uh, hamper packs for people that can't afford Christmas dinners and stuff like that to make sure their, their food wasn't going to waste. Yeah. So there is things happening. And, that, and yeah. the reason they did that actually was because it was near the end of the season. Yeah. The birds were not really worth anything or the, the game dealer was going to come and take them away but not give them any money for it. And so uh, John McKenzie up there at Glen, uh, Glenfiddich Estate spoke to his boss and said, look, it's not worth anything. We've got the time. Do you, can we spend our time processing it? And the team of gamekeepers went and processed all of those birds and packed them up and sent them to the homeless shelters. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, that was a, a case of, yes, 
they didn't really have anywhere to go. They weren't actually worth anything, hence the reason why the game dealers weren't prepared to pay for it. But they were making sure, and that's the system that kind of, I guess that you were talking about. There was a system yeah. in place we trust in a system and that often that responsibility lies in, in the hands of the people who actually manage the ground and are looking after these shoots in the first place. Here I'm talking about, and that is the, the gamekeepers on the ground and they're, they've got their own personal and, uh, and ethical standards and that's a good example of them taking yeah. the initiative to say okay these weren't worth anything how can we optimize this we can optimize it by processing it and giving it to people who you know can't afford so you've mentioned several times you might you might have some some listeners upset with you and so i want to i want to direct uh directly address them because we're going to have a lot of U.S. hunters um, who potentially might be upset by some of the things we say about, you know, the traditions of hunting or, or, or deer hunting or, you know, using the term redneck or something like that, that I love tradition and the, the hunting traditions in particular. So something like a driven shoot is, is very traditional. And so there's probably people who participate in that as a tradition. And so it's not that that in itself is wrong. It's more of the fact that we're challenging people who op, you know participate in those traditions in the same way that a girlfriend would challenge you to be more romantic on your anniversary happens all the it time it makes yeah. you you know what i mean it <laughs> make it makes you feel like at first it feels like a little bit of a reprimand you may be like you get a little defensive like well who the hell are you to you know i i treat you really well well in in that space it it takes some humility to really think about your actions and your beliefs and is there room for improvement in the same way that it's more work to recycle. Sometimes it's a pain in the ass. Sometimes I don't want to wash out all the containers and put them in the recycling bin. But guess what? I think that's important, so I spend the time to do that. So I would challenge anyone who has that initial reaction of what you said or anything I said to really think about, all right, am I upset because they said something I disagree with or am I upset because I feel like I'm being challenged to do something that I haven't previously thought about doing, and maybe that's a little bit of an embarrassment, or maybe I just, maybe I'm being lazy. And so I think that that's an important distinction to make, that this is more about bringing to light ways that we feel like we can all, for the greater good of the perception of hunting and conservation in the world, do these things so that not only are we being better hunters, but we're also minimizing the amount of collateral damage that anti-hunting groups and and people point to as excuses for why we shouldn't be able to hunt yeah no i, I think you summed no, that up yeah. pretty, pretty yeah. damn well that was, that was pretty actually. good uh just as we start getting towards the end of this can you tell people a little bit more about uh this well hopefully a publication that's going to happen right now i suppose it's a potential publication because you've got um, a funding campaign out for it and we'll stick the links in the show notes for this but if they go and visit modern huntsman on on your instagram i'm sure people will be able to find because you, you you're mm -hmm. talking about it quite a bit but what kind of what kind of content are we going to see in there you you talk, tell you've told us a little bit about the contributors that are going to be there but what would i expect to find in there the kind of topics that you're going to talk about what's i mean you kind of touched on it at the start when you're talking about magazines that existed and some of them being a little bit stuffy and stuck in the ways i know exactly what you mean I, we have the same issue probably yeah. even more so in the uk because i think a lot of our yeah. magazines are probably a bit older um but what can we expect to see what is going to differentiate it sure so uh it's funny because we've been having this conversation people are like well why should we 
support something that we're not sure if it's going to succeed. Well, to give you context, we're, we're trying to raise 75,000 for the issue. We, we raised 25,000 in the first five days. Uh, and, and it's a 45 day campaign. So we literally in the last week have gotten over a third of our funding and we haven't even done a big push yet. We haven't pulled in our industry resources. We've been, we've been on a couple of podcasts, but we're, we're trying to just talk to as many people as we can in different areas and regions, because, you know, we obviously feel like we have similar beliefs with a lot of people. Um, so without giving away the topic of some of the stories, um, I very much am planning for this to be of introductory nature for the first issue in terms of introducing the topics that we're going to be pursuing in further issues and on the website, in addition to painting the picture of, of the difficulties that lie ahead. Um, and so we've got, you know, some stories of, of, of father and son and, and how hunting uh, forged their relationship and the lessons they learned from it. We've got uh, a family in Montana who goes out and hunts to feed their children and the sort of story about how that's developed uh, their, their family life. Um, me and another gentleman named Tito West are, are going to be focusing a little bit on Africa issues with the controversies over there with big game hunting and, and anti-poaching and, and how the differentiation isn't really necessarily made between hunters and poachers. Um, and then we've got, you know, some, some stuff down in South Texas with dove and teal. Um, we've got stuff out in the American West. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's mostly limited to, um, the U.S. right now, but right, but it's a diverse area of the U.S. in terms of um, men and women, um, types of game hunted, whether that's an individual or a family effort. And then um, we're, we're starting to introduce some international topics. But honestly, one of the things I'm most excited about is that through an amazing stroke of destiny, I have uh, befriended Simon Roosevelt, who is the great, great grandson of Teddy Roosevelt, and have become pretty good friends with him. And he and his business partner, partner Allison Rockefeller, have uh, an organization called American Conservation Projects, and their goal is to educate people about hunting as a conservation tool in North America. So they have a uh, an amazing, you just you know, list of accolades, and and um, they have access to governmental level agencies. And so Simon has agreed to be a columnist for the magazine. He's basically our sole board of advisors right now. Board of advisor? <laughs> advisor board? <laughs> yeah. um, and it's just so exciting to be able to... He, I guess he's been looking for an outlet similar to this for a while, and he believes in what we're doing, and he thinks that this is a forum um, where we could actually influence a change on a larger level. And so this, you know, obviously with the leg legacy of the name Roosevelt, um, I can't think of a better person to have involved in this project. So... Um, we're, we're going to be introducing a lot of these concepts in the first issue. Um, so it won't be the traditional, well, there I was waiting on the buck and he stepped out of the corn and, you know, it's going to be much more of personal, uh, opinion, not, not personal opinion, but, uh, a lot of background on who these people are, where they come from, what the role of hunting plays in their life and how they see it could be better and, and what their hope is in the future to be able to pass this on to their, their children. One thing that Tyler and I were just talking about is, um, is how typically this conversation is extremely black and white. You've got, uh, you've got two sides of the story, either the, uh, anti hunters or, um, the intentional conservationists who are fighting against, uh, each other. 
um, where there's stories that are only exist in black and white, there's typically never progress. And the only way to introduce progress is when you introduce the color, right? So essentially, we want to paint we want to paint a, a picture that um, we understand how the brush strokes should should be. We understand where to place the color so that this story comes to life rather than being an ongoing debate for for decades moving forward. But we start to tell a story that that educates and inspires that um, that changes hearts and also uh, and also changes minds and. We have uh, an amazing team of people who are um, creating these stories and, and talking about their ethics and their traditions, um, but who are also uh, passionate storytellers who believe in this uh, with every inkling in their body, who have lived this out from either day one of birth or who came from vegetarian lifestyles into um, this type of a lifestyle and what convicted their heart to um to becoming this the, the modern huntsman and so we won't be black and white we, we won't stand on on one side of the ground or the other we will paint in in between and find those areas where um where it's about creating change and not just about introducing another topic for debate mm. yeah, i am very excited by the prospect of getting my hands on a publication which I have every faith that you're going to produce because one of the things that has really pained me in, well, I, I suppose I've been writing for 10 years, about 10 years now, and occasionally I see it, but very rarely do I see somebody truly take the time to write what they're feeling. It is just as you kind of described there, you know, I, I went out, I saw the animal and I killed it. And most of that, most of that story <laughs> is either centered around the kit that they were using or the killing of it. If you go back and take the time to read one of the greats, either go to you know the godfather of hunting conservation, Teddy Roosevelt himself, or you read Aldo Leopold. He, he wrote in the first chapter of one of his uh, memoirs, he spent most of it talking about an oak tree and how the sure. rings on the oak tree told him what the seasons had been like historically. And he casts his mind back to how he thinks all the, the wildlife must have um, struggled in a year that was particularly dry. And a lot of that sort of um, feeling is missing. And I think because the the way that writing often is, it doesn't capture people's imagination in the same way. It, it It is really just sort of cutting to the end rather than telling the whole story. So if that is... Uh, the route that you are taking, and it very much sounds like that. I am very, very much looking forward to sort of getting back to the writings of old, if you like, in a modern context. Absolutely. You've sold the story for us. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure our listeners will will yeah. will go and look at it 100% sure. Yeah, well, yeah. We're, we're, well we're... And, and, you know, there's been a, a you know, and, and, and we have, so on the Kickstarter, obviously, so I, I wrote and directed a film that explains that in a pretty, you know, articulate way. And, and we shot some footage in Montana and I pulled through my archive and a couple other cinematographers from all over the world. Um, but there's also a lot of information in the about the project that details some a little bit more about the contributors, a little bit more about the topics, um, in addition to the timeline and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, if, if, if someone's interested in knowing more between um, the Kickstarter profile and our website, there's there's lots of information. Um, and uh, and yeah, we're we're just we've been so uh, humbled and, and sort of floored by by how quickly this has taken off. And we knew that we felt like people would 
want this to happen. Um, and it's just been amazing to hear uh, the validation that we know that there's guys like you who we had never met before that felt the same way we do. And so we are just trying, we've raised the banner and we're just trying to get everyone to flock to the banner and move forward together um, as an open forum, not as our agenda, but as a an agenda with the greater good in, 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 in context of improving the perception of hunting. Yeah, it's, there is a shift. I can feel the shift. I'm heartened by this because I see things popping up like you guys, you know, the, the modern huntsman that wasn't there two years ago. And I just hope that people can either take their own initiative and create something new like we've tried to do with the podcast, like you guys are doing with the Modern Huntsman. Or if you if you don't have the time to do that, just get behind the people who are, who are yeah. portraying the messages which are true to the sense of ultimately what it means to be a hunter today. Yeah. Well, I think I think our next uh, our next podcast should be about when we're coming over to visit you guys yeah I, so. I was thinking more about when we're coming over to texas actually <laughs> we we are actually still, coming over to the united states at some point uh, yeah. in the next six months so uh, we'll come now it's great. still 90 degrees yeah, wait till it cools down wait wait till like no like late november december but yeah we're we're here open invitation no it'll probably be the start of next year sometime so we're gonna we're gonna try and plan it but we're and, and link up with a a few people that we've got to know through forums like this where just like-mindedness we've had a conversation awesome it, it's 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 funny how the world is these days where you can get to know people without actually having never met <laughs> yeah. them. but it is a strong yeah. bond yes. you know hunting across yes. the uh, water and uh, across the the world is a connection which is it's hard to replicate in any other way, even if you haven't met somebody. In fact, it's it's Definitely. funny. It's funny you're talking about traditions. I know we're way to wrap up here, uh, but when we were hunting, what three weeks ago, we had quite a few of Americans come over, and they were actually blown away by our traditions that we have um, in Scotland. Uh, talking about yeah. the clothing and uh, the ponies, the, and... the the ponies we use on the hill, and and uh, yeah, there was bagpipes as well involved. And uh, <laughs> I, I definitely, definitely want to come see that. So, yeah. Well, we'll have we. I'm sure that this will not be the last yeah. time we have a conversation. So we'll have to try and arrange the, the a good time of year for you to come Absolutely. over here and make a story of it for the modern huntsman. How good would that be? 100. percent Love that. We're in. Gentlemen, it has been uh, fantastic speaking to you. I've really enjoyed our conversation. I uh, would have quite happily continued for another hour, but we don't, <laughs> yeah. we don't want to give all the goodness away in one go. Yeah. That would just be spoiling our listeners too much. So we're just going to have to yes. get you guys back on. Just in terms of um, timeline, will you be how far along the road are you going to be sort of at the end of the year, hopefully? So um, our campaign, the Kickstarter campaign goes until November 15th or something. So like 38, 39 days from now. Um, and assuming that we get funded, which we're well on our way, um, we, uh, my girlfriend is the art director. So she's laying the magazine out. We already have a handful, of, a handful of the stories in. And there's a few that we're shooting because the hunting season is currently going on. So um, we're aiming to be early January is when people should have the issues uh, in hand. Now, as we say in our Kickstarter, there are some unforeseen complications down possibly with, you know, we can't control if a printer has a machine go out or something like that. But assuming there's no snags, um, you know, we've based this to try to be ready by some of these conventions for Dallas Safari Club and SCI and SHOT Show and all that. So we're hoping that 
uh, come 2018 will be the dawn of uh, a new publication uh, in people's hands. So, and on the Kickstarter on the Kickstarter page, you can see some of the layouts that uh, Katie Smith has designed for the publication. Um, and these are not these are not actual layouts; these are mockups that are conceptual, um, just to give an idea of of what our um, aesthetic and design direction is. And then we'll also be doing an interview internally with her talking about some of her design philosophy, what she pulls in from historical documents and typography and, and photography styling to give an, an overall uh, approach to the story needs to be told uh, visually extraordinary yeah. as well as literarily extraordinary. I think your girlfriend would get along very well with mine, who's also a designer and is continually well, complaining about magazines uh, that she reads, saying, why has nobody actually spent the time to design this properly? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, bring her with you. Bring and with uh, you. On, on the Kickstarter, I think when I read it, uh, depending on how much you donate, you actually get a copy yourself. Yeah, so it's um, the an actual copy of the magazine is is $25. And a lot of people are like, well, that's a lot for a magazine. Well, Magazine is a loose term. This is going to be a 200-page book uh, that we have to call a magazine because it's not going to be hardbound. So um, it's not going to be your typical publication, um, and it's going to be a lot of mo- you know full bleed photography. We're not going to really have ads. If we do have ads in the future, it's going to be brands we partner with because they align with our philosophy, and we would shoot those ourselves. And those would be embedded in the stories versus, uh, you know, an, an interruption in the experience of the magazine. Um, and so beyond the $25 issue, and unfortunately overseas, the shipping is a little more. So I think the shipping to is like $25, $30. So for the UK and that kind of stuff, I think it probably ends up being closer to $50. Um, but we do have other rewards on the Kickstarter where we have available, like signed limited edition prints from the, some of the photographers. We actually have um, some like consulting options for people who want to uh, have the editors of the magazine, me, Brad, and Charles and Chris Douglas, review their work. Uh, and then there's some options where we actually work with them to produce a story that gets published on the Modern Huntsman website. So there's definitely some interactive options on the Kickstarter if if you're a creative trying to kind of step your game up a little bit, um, or or you're just looking to collect prints, there's there's definitely some options there. So and also if there's any any retail stores uh or, or potential areas for uh to stock the magazine, we have stockist options ranging from ten copies, twenty five, a hundred and two fifty. So um obviously we want to be in the UK, Australia, um, man, as much as we possibly can because this topic is not just for the US and our volumes and issues will continue to expand outside the u.s as we move forward so um any stockists that have a need for this um, and we'd love to have you guys come check it out as well great no we should we should see if we can do something um to get some cop- copies to yeah, the to I, podcast I, listeners because I, I, I think th- it'll align a lot with uh with our listeners i, I think so i mean yeah we'll, we'll definitely we'll definitely look at it maybe get a number over ourselves so we can reduce costs and then our podcast listeners can get it off us or or whatever needs to be done Awesome. Guys, thank you very much. Have a good rest of your day because you're somewhere near the start. It is at the end of <laughs> it's our at day. The end of our day. Um, and I look very much forward to speaking to you again. I think we're going to try and make some of the shows in the early part of the year. So that might be the best place to convene, hopefully, with a copy of The Modern Huntsman in yeah. our hands. And yes. we can talk about your I publication. Hope so. Fantastic. Thank you guys for having us. Cheers. Bye for now. And that is it for another two weeks. Don't forget 
subscribe to the show. If there was any new listeners today, which there might be, uh, then hit the subscribe button on iTunes. It helps us out. And leave us a review as well. Review is important. Yeah, review is important. We do very well with reviews, but we haven't had that many recently. No. So they would be much appreciated. They would. Uh, and we are on all of the social medias. We're on Facebook. It's uh, Podcast Into the Wilderness page. Uh, Pace underscore brothers on Instagram. And if you want to check out our website, all the W's, thepacebrothers.com, where it has our shop, also has information about wilderness hunts, which are unfortunately all fully booked this year. Yes. Uh, but if you first w- hunt soon, yeah, first hunt is very soon. We will be putting updates in the next few months of the next year, which uh, will be November 2018. And definitely keep an eye on the website because we are organising special wilderness hunts in Africa potentially. So yes, I was the, working on that when that, I was there. So that is in the process. So. Um, if you have, in fact, and if you are interested, if you are interested in, email in Africa, um, the wilderness hunt, then shoot us over a mail so we can we do actually keep all of people's names on on file that are interested, so we can let you know first. And it, it you know what, it does actually work because uh, for things like the wilderness hunt, it is first come first serve, um, and we had a bunch of guys last year that we'd fully booked last year and they were next in the queue and all of them got on the the mm-hmm. next hunt and if you want to be enticed into uh, to, to africa go and listen to a podcast we did a few shows ago with dear Fundalanga, who's a, an old friend of mine when i was in africa i recorded a sit-down podcast with him and that'll give you a kind of flavor a flavor of the people and the flavor of the place yeah um oh and that's what i was going to show say so we were talking about uh, getting the the modern huntsman uh, book over here. Uh, just uh, keep an eye out. Uh, we'll probably talk about it on the next show, and we're gonna organise a way to maybe uh, get a whole lot of books over here, and we're gonna sort out postage. So that this is actually very important. If you are interested, you can either go on their Kickstarter um, or go through them. Or if you're interested, and if we get enough people. Uh, then maybe we can do something ourselves. So send us an email, podcast at paceproductionsuk.com, just, you know, with the title, Modern Huntsman, I'm interested in the book, and then we can get a rough number and we can organise it and make it more efficient for everyone in the UK. We already spoke to the guys about it, and uh, they were very, very much up for helping and getting it into the hands of people over here. So we're going to, as they, they, I can't remember if they actually said it on the show, but they certainly said it to us, that the big issue is the international shipping. But if we can get a whole heap over at the same time for everyone who wants, then we can cut down on that so it's not going to cost a fortune. So we will do what we can to help everyone else. Yeah. And also by helping them as well, because we'll be bringing some over here. Exactly. And I think that's a wrap for the show. Yeah, uh, we have um, we have Phil Massaro coming back on the show. I don't know if it's going to be the next podcast that's out, but we're recording the podcast with him very soon. And this one is very, very much going to be um, uh, a guns and ammo and ballistics and bullets because I've told him that we need to focus on that. We kind of got sidetracked. That was the original intention last time. We kind of got sidetracked. It was a good sidetrack, uh, but it's not something we really do is talk about kit that often. Every now and then, it's it's nice to do that. So that is going to be the focus of that podcast. And we are also going to be having Adam Yanke on from the Journal of Mountain Hunting. And you will remember we had him on, oh, I don't know, maybe a year and a half ago now. 
Uh, he runs a, a podcast over in Canada. And he hunted last year in a place that Daryl and I are going to hunt in New Zealand with Joseph from Hard Yards Hunting. So we're going to have him on. He's going to talk about his experience last year in New and Zealand. scare us into what we're aware of. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, give us a, a kick into the training that we need to do to prepare for it. Uh, but I'm sure that that will not be the only thing we discuss. Um, Adam, like us, interviews some incredible people from around the world. Uh, so I've no idea where the discussion is going to go after New Zealand, but it'll be a good one, that's for sure. Uh, I think that is it for the the next two weeks and uh if you're listening on a platform and you're like i really want a different platform remember this show is on soundcloud it's on itunes which is the the big one it's on stitcher it's on podbean it's on podcast addict it does get uploaded to youtube just an audio version sometimes it's a video um there's no excuse and if you're still struggling send us an email yeah. And then we can help you out. Let us know how you need to listen. Yeah, how we'll you try need and to listen. How we can help. Uh, also, if you have suggestions for guests or topics or anything like that, which we get a large amount of emails of those very things, and we do appreciate it because it keeps us on our toes and keeps us, um, well, it keeps us looking for new guests. Uh, so send us an email and. Uh, We'll, we'll make it, it happen. Out. We will yeah. make it happen. We always do. Yeah, there's only a few people we've failed on. We, we still haven't got Chris Pratt on. We tried very hard. Yeah, we didn't, we didn't <laughs> try that hard. Um, the problem is, is I, I don't know. But you know what we would like on is Cameron Haynes. So well, if, we've got we've got a good contact. We've got a there. contact we, we met there. a good man who actually knows him personally. So he is busy trying to get his direct contact for us, like his direct email for him, because yeah, I think he just wants. Well, the problem is, is you know, if you email someone like that. Um, you know, we've been very fortunate in the in the past uh, with uh, other people, but you know they must get thousands of emails a day with thousands of requests to go on shows and podcasts, and they're so busy. So we're just thankful when we do get a chance. I'm going to just share something. Soon we're talking about Cameron Haynes. Share something with our, with our listeners. I just got an email. Some of you will know that I write for uh, well, I write for a few publications, but one of the publications I write for here in in the UK is Sporting Rifle Magazine, and I just got an email today from the deputy editor. Um, which is a letter somebody had written in. Um, I write the back page, which is not either a historical hunter or it, it's an article about uh, well-known hunters. And last, uh, the, the the issue that was just out a few days ago, I wrote the one-page piece on Cameron Haynes. He's a bow hunter and it was in a rifle magazine, but it wasn't about the hunting it was about what he has done for the hunting industry rather than the tool that he uses to hunt with and how he's encouraged a lot of people out with hunting circles to take it up because of his sort of athleticism and his trained hunt kind of attitude um go and check him out um we have mentioned before if you don't know who he is go and check him out and somebody wrote in saying that uh well it was actually quite a long email but the long and short of it was that he hoped that we wouldn't be referring to bow hunting anymore, not because it's a rifle magazine, but because uh, it is cruel and unethical and that we sh I should, as a rifle reviewer, um, with all the calibers at my... Um, in fact, at my disposal. He said, if, if, you want, if you want to be taken seriously, <laughs> yes, then, he did you, say that. then you need to stop talking about bow hunting. Yes. You, because sir, it's not, it's you, not sir, if you want to be taken seriously, maybe you should read the article. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm okay read the article yeah. correctly. Read but, the article. <laughs> but also, maybe go and listen to some of our podcasts. Yeah, listen uh, Because to uh, David C.P. Yeah. and Donnie Vincent, those are the two I would go to because they were bow hunting podcasts. Yeah. And maybe learn something. And I may be being a bit hard because I didn't necessarily understand. I maybe had some of those misgivings with regard to bow hunting. 
but I didn't make a massive broad sweeping judgment until I'd taken the time to actually <laughs> learn about certainly it. Certainly didn't write into uh, no into to complain about because it was it was complaint more than anything. Yeah, yeah, basically saying that it wasn't uh, it wasn't ethical and we shouldn't be talking about it and shouldn't be encouraged bow hunting. Well, actually, I think the complete opposite. So. I think we should be encouraging bow hunting. I'd love to see it back in the UK. Uh, and fact, on that, b- note, because of that letter, we're going to bring it back. To the UK. <laughs> bring it back to the yeah. UK. We, I think we said that on one of yeah. the podcasts. It's going to be a, a lifetime mission to bring it back, and we've been a bit busy to try and pursue yeah, that. But too busy. If someone wants to give us um, a few thousand pounds, uh, then we can concentrate on bow hunting for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> and that's it. You're going to have another great podcast again in two weeks' time. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, I have been Byron Pace. Sitting beside me is Daryl Pace. We're here every two weeks, and this podcast is brought to you by the Scottish Association for Country Sports. Yeah.